So there is spread everywhere throughout this room something that we call the electron field. It's like a fluid that fills this room and in fact fills the entire universe. And the ripples of this electron fluid, the ripples of uh, the waves of this fluid, get tied into little bundles of energy by the rules of quantum mechanics. And those bundles of energy are what we call the particle, the electron. All the electrons that are in your body are not fundamental. All the electrons that exist in your body are waves of the same underlying field. We're all connected to each other. It's like you know, the waves uh, on the ocean all belong to the, the same underlying ocean. Uh, the electrons in your body are the ripples of the same field as the electrons in my body. We are built out of very small stuff, and we are embedded in a very large cosmos. And the fact is that we are not very good at understanding reality at either of those scales. And that's because our brains haven't evolved to understand the world at that scale. But it gets strange because even at that slice of reality that we call home, we're not seeing most of the action that's going on. So take the colors of our world. This is light waves, electromagnetic radiation that bounces off objects and it hits specialized receptors in the back of our eyes. But we're not seeing all the waves out there. In fact, what we see is less than a 10 trillionth of what's out there. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 617, Why God Sent Us the Coronavirus. And here's what you're going to hear today. Now, I'm in the process of writing a book. It's tentatively titled, Bathing with an Atheistic God. And I wrote another chapter today, and I'm going to share it with you here, along with a panel discussion that I published last year when I shared an earlier version of another chapter of this book, which at the time I was calling Conversations with Quad. You'll hear about it in the episode. So, you know, the coronavirus has really made a huge, huge impact on the world. I mean, it's stupid to even say that, right? I mean, obviously it has. And I don't know about you, but I have been legitimately scared about the future. I've been worried for my kids, I've been worried about the economy, worry, 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 fear, fear, fear. So I took that worry and fear to that inner voice inside of me, to my imagination, and this is what came out. Now, it's a far cry from Carl the Casual Satanist, but I'm not Brother Jake, and this is not 2015. Here's what I've got for you today, and if any of you are interested in hearing more along these lines, please come and support the podcast on Patreon, where you can get more content like this. I published two episodes similar to this earlier last week. Anyway, now... I give you a chapter from my book in progress, Bathing with an Atheistic God. Enjoy. Hey there. Where have you been? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm just not in the mood. I understand. I feel what you feel, remember? I, look, I'm, I'm really, really not in the mood. I know, but the mood you're in is not the mood that you want to stay in, right? Okay, fine. You don't have to respond. You never have to respond, you know. But I'm going to talk to you, like I always do, and you can tune in and listen, or tune out and ignore me, like you always do. 
Fine, okay. I know what you want. Deep down, you want to understand your relationship to God, to being, to existence. What is it all about? You want to know if there's a soul or not. What is it if you have one? What is this relationship between you and your soul and God if there is one at all? That's what you've always wanted to know. It's also something that you always have known. In fact, you know it right now. You just don't know that you know it because of all of the noise. All of the noise of your thoughts, of other people's voices, of all of the light that you perceive with your eyes, and all of the sound that you perceive with your ears, and all of the sensations that you feel and taste and smell, both inside and outside of your body. It's a lot to take in, more than any one individual mind can ever really do. But you're not an individual mind alone. You're an individual mind in a mind-boggling network of interconnected minds. But today, you're overwhelmed by fear. You're overwhelmed by your own sense of failure, by your own lack of self-worth. You don't feel worthy about yourself right now, so how could you possibly feel that others would find any kind of worthiness or value in you? And if you can't see your own value, and if you can't imagine how others could see any value in you, then how could you possibly wrap your head around the idea that you are a soul with inherent value that can and never will be diminished? Or that there is a God who loves you and values you without exception, without condition? The reason that you're currently not in the mood is that you've created conditions within your mind that make you feel separate, without intrinsic value, unworthy. So stop it, if you want to. You don't have to, you know. It's of no severe consequence one way or the other. You're not doing anything wrong. So why am I talking to you when you aren't in the mood to hear me? It's because with all of my emotion and with everything that I am, I want for you, right now, what I want for you all the time, to recognize your power, to explore it, to accept it, to exercise it. I'm talking about your power to create. I'm talking about the power of your imagination. What do you think is meant by that old sacred wisdom saying, as a man thinketh, so is he? Do you truly understand the relationship between the thoughts that you think and the feelings that you feel? Do you truly understand the power that you have to choose your thoughts like you would choose your food at an endless all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet? Do you remember that feeling of piling your plate high with white rice and deep-fried sesame chicken? It tasted good, right? At first, until you started feeling sick to your stomach. But you went back for more because the taste, mm-mm, good. And because of those Pavlovian pleasure signals surging through your body, rewarding you for ingesting a high caloric intake. Now you could have eaten something else, of course, something healthier for you, maybe less tasty, but you didn't. You wanted what you wanted, and your sense of taste was the only voice you really listened to, intentionally ignoring what you intellectually knew about MSG and high fats and processed sugars that artificially trick your taste buds into sending you those biologically evolved Pavlovian pleasure signals that reinforce behavior that, contrary to the way this behavior system evolved, is actually detrimental to your long-term health and well-being rather than being a boon towards your survival like it would have been any time else over the past 4.5 billion years of your species evolution. Now, you knew all that, of course, but you didn't care. 
You wanted the short-term pleasure of satisfying your taste buds despite the growing discomfort in your gut. And the more you ate, the worse you felt, remember? But you kept doing it to get your money's worth, you told yourself, ha ha. Until you just couldn't take it anymore and you felt horrible for the rest of the day, at least. And so it is with your thoughts. Like an endless all-you-can-eat buffet stretched out for miles in front of you, you have many thoughts to choose from, many areas of your life, past, present, or future, totally real or completely made up and completely imaginary, that you could choose to focus your attention on. But there are certain things that you've been artificially conditioned, aka tricked, into focusing on more than others. How many messages in society have you encountered from the time of your birth until now that focus on family relationships and finances? What were you told was the greatest measure of success? Did you ever hear anyone say anything like, no amount of success in the world can compensate for failure in the home? Did you ever get the message that you gotta do your homework so that you don't flunk out? Or do whatever you have to do to avoid getting fired? Or don't get divorced? Don't neglect your kids? Don't be selfish? Don't fail to prepare or you will just prepare to fail. These messages and so many more like them have bombarded you throughout your life. They have conditioned you without you even knowing it. Whenever you did something to keep your job or to strengthen a family relationship, you received an encouraging Pavlovian reward, a pat on the back, a smile, extra credit, a bonus, a hug, a Dharmic fish biscuit, encouragement to keep going and to avoid failure at all costs. And when you did things that put family relationships or your finances at risk, punishment, frowns, withdrawal, spankings, disapproval. So when things happen in life that you were hoping to avoid, you know, when divorce happens or when you lose a job or two divorces or losing two jobs, your attention continues to focus on those areas that you've been conditioned to believe are the most important areas to focus on, those areas where you have over the course of your life received the greatest rewards. So you obsess over all the things that you can possibly imagine that you did to make that failure happen. Or you focus on all the imaginary what-if scenarios that you could have done to prevent them. These thought patterns are well-worn neural pathways in your brain that were forged through years of positive Pavlovian reinforcement. But guess what? It's a lie. All of it. The idea of success that you have and that you hold is a total and complete lie. You want to understand the relationship between yourself and your soul and God? Well, listen to what I'm telling you here. Forget any idea of a heavenly father that you were raised with. That idea and those characteristics are not God any more than a budding leaf on a warm spring day is the tree or the planet or the universe that it is supported by or is budding from. The best way for you to understand the nature of God is to imagine God as everything or as the energy that always is, was, and will be everything. Do you remember that night late last year when you asked to see the face of God? You said, Father, please reveal yourself to me. Do you remember the message that immediately came to you? My son, the moment that you laugh yourself silly over the absolute absurdity of that request is the very moment when you will be seeing things directly through my eyes. I was the one who sent you that message, by the way, because I am your imagination. I'm the doorway between your egoic mind and the sensations of eternity that surround you, that you are constantly bathing in. So what is the relationship between you and God? Well, what is the relationship between the budding leaf 
and the universe in which it buds. Is the leaf separate from the universe? Could there be a leaf without the universe? Would the universe be everything that it is without that one budding leaf? It certainly would be different than it is with that leaf. The leaf is therefore a significantly insignificant manifestation of the entire universe. In that sense, the leaf is the universe. Or at least the subatomic energy deep within every cell of that leaf is the very same subatomic energy that fills the entire universe, which is infinitely expanding, and there is no empty space. That energy is omniscient. It knows how to manifest itself as a budding leaf, or a tree, or a planet, or a brain, or a neuron, or a thought. That energy is omnipotent. It constantly demonstrates its power to manifest itself as all of the things that it can and does manifest itself as. That energy is intelligent. It's aware. It's curious. It's playful. It's creative. This is God. And that God energy plays with itself by separating itself into souls. It creates new and ever-evolving versions of itself by separating itself into seeds divine energetic God seeds that do and experience and become and feel more than you can possibly imagine. No soul is ever ruined. No soul is ever spoiled. No soul is ever wasted. No soul is ever diminished. No soul is ever lost. There is no such thing as failure. Every experience is a success, even the ones that feel like a failure. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. You are one of many infinite things that your soul is doing right now. Nothing that you do has any possible negative impact on your soul. Nothing that you do has any possible negative impact on the universe or on God. Nothing that you do has any possible negative impact on anything. Keep in mind, if you can, that this soul separation from the source of all being is not a real separation. It is only the impression of separation that comes as a result of turning off, so to speak, certain perspective-creating mechanisms and turning on a few narrow but highly sensitive modes of perception. Your eyes and ears and nose, for example. Your five senses are the way that you primarily perceive the world. They provide the standard by which you determine if something is real or fake, true or false. They become the stuff by which you form an ego, the idea of who you are as a separate individual self. Your ego is not an enemy to God. Your ego is not flawed in any way. It is only limited in what it's able to perceive and therefore understand. It is only an error when it imagines that what it perceives is real and that what it cannot perceive is not real. It is only an error when it makes judgments based on incomplete information. And it is always incomplete in what it is perceiving. And your ego was conditioned to believe that some things are real while other things are only imaginary. Only imaginary. But imagination is the greatest mechanism for perception that you possess. Imagination is truly the way you create your reality. Now don't confuse this with magical thinking. Be smart and listen to my words. When you use your imagination to conjure up the thought of a dill pickle, you don't magically manifest a dill pickle out of thin air, but you may notice your mouth begin to salivate in anticipation of tasting a dill pickle. What's real there? Did you imagine something real? Or did you imagine something fake? Did your taste buds respond to something 
that actually exists in reality? Or was it responding to something that does not exist in reality? Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that a thought is not real just because it is only a thought. Nothing is more powerful. And this brings us right back to your thoughts, to the power of your own imagination. Because even though your so-called failures do not make you an actual failure any more than the thought of a pickle creates an actual pickle from thin air, if you think that you're a failure, then you will feel like a failure, and that becomes your reality. And what caused that feeling? Go back to the thought buffet. Try a different way of thinking this time. Pay attention to how it makes you feel. What is the relationship between how you think and how you feel? What is the relationship between God and your soul and yourself? These are things that you already know. Come and find me when you're ready to talk again and take it easy on yourself because whether you can see it or feel it or hear it or not, you are loved and all is well, always. You cannot mess anything up. You are exactly what God and your soul and your own thoughts have created you to be and that is unique and beautiful and flawless and worthy. All is well, all is well. I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it, to act for itself, as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. Truth is knowledge of things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. I give unto you these sayings, that you may understand and know how to worship. Behold, here is the agency of man, and here is the condemnation of man. This is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 578, Conversations with Quad, part one, which is a thinly veiled homage, it's an homage, to the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, which I kind of sort of recently read. I I was going to call it Conversations with Todd, but then I thought kind of like quantum stuff that I've been interested in, Todd, Quad, anyway, there you go. So you're first going to hear this first little thing that I wrote, and then you're going to hear Tom and I smack it around, which was a whole heck of a lot of fun, by the way. So that's your episode today. Thank you very much, Lady Reader of DNC Section 93, for that lovely intro, and of course, Martin John Henry's hauntingly gorgeous cover of the Beatles song, Because which I've gotten so much mileage out of over the past several years. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, please support us on Patreon or send us a donation via PayPal through our website. And then I won't have to keep sounding like this guy. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. All righty then. Now, here's what I wrote. Once upon a time, a rather normal, quite unremarkable man was taking a nice warm bath when all of a sudden he heard a voice coming from deep within his brain. The dialogue below is what followed. Hello? Can anybody hear me? Hello? No? 
I can hear you. Well, it's about time. I've been waiting here forever. Who are you? I am me. All right, but who is that? Uh, you wouldn't understand. Try me. Okay. I am the Ichiban Kaminari Centrificum Dualeptus concurrently focused towards Octa Quadra Trihedrianta multiplied by a factor of infinite expansion. Yeah, I, I don't understand most of those words. Oh, that's because I just made most of them up. Words are symbols that represent things in the known world. What symbols should I use to represent things that are unknown to you? Well, you could just tell me what's unknown, and then it would become known. Well, you're right, and that's exactly what I do. That's exactly why I'm here. All right, and where exactly is that? Inside of you, and outside of you, all around you, really. Have you ever looked at a kaleidoscope? Yeah. Well, that's sort of what I'm doing. And you're one of the little pieces that's moving around and changing your shape and design all the time. Only, I'm not looking in through a single eye hole. I'm looking in at every possible angle all at once. And your kaleidoscope thing is the size of the entire universe, which is constantly expanding, by the way. And instead of just seeing you, as swirling shapes and colors with my eyes, I also smell all there is to smell about you, and taste everything there is to taste, and feel and hear everything there is to feel and hear. But those are just the five senses that you're most familiar with, and the limited ranges that you evolved to perceive. There are hundreds more. You don't fully recognize this yet, but thought and imagination are also a sense. So, I also Imagine all that you imagine, and I think all that you think. There's more, of course, but you really just wouldn't understand. So what? Are you God, then? No. Is there a God? What do you mean by God? You know, like a Father in Heaven, Creator of all things kind of God? No. In order for there to be a Creator of all things, there must have first been nothing. And there has never been nothing. And in order for there to be a Father, your idea of gender would have to apply to everything that exists. And that is almost as impossible and absurd as thinking that you could have a father creator without a mother creator as well. Now, there is duality, that much is true, but it's more like up and down or in and out than it is male and female. And the infinite combinations of this duality is what provides all the variety of existence that you experience, as well as all the variety of existence that you do not. And it's this duality itself that chooses its own combinations. I'm a result of this duality. You're a result of this duality. I suppose that you could call the entirety of this intelligent, creative duality God. But then you might as well call it everything. And since everything includes everything, it's not distinct from anything, which really shows you nothing, and therefore isn't very instructive. What? Uh, all right, okay, whatever. Just, just tell me this. Is there at least universal justice? What do you mean? You know, like, will good people be rewarded and evil people be punished? Well, they already are. But I mean, you said that there's no Father in Heaven, Creator, God person, right? But is there at least, among all of this intelligent, creative duality, some focus on punishing the wicked and rewarding those who are good? Well, I told you that the best way to conceive of the idea 
of God is to think of it as everything, right? So, is what you're asking me a part of everything? Yeah, I guess. Alright, well there you go. But so is not punishing the wicked. That's part of everything too. So is people getting away with horrible things. Yeah, which happens all the time, right? Yeah, and it totally sucks. But they can't be both punished in the afterlife and not punished in the afterlife. That makes no sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. It's part of everything, and everything is based on opposing dualities, and everything is infinitely expanding. Your need for justice is small and temporary in the grand scheme of things. How important is it to you that a thief in Persia 3,000 years ago murdered his neighbor and completely got away with it? It simply fades into the pattern of everything that ever was, is, or will be. Eternal justice? Eternal reward? Now, who exactly is receiving this? When you die, you die. Only the duality that makes you continues. But it does so quite independent of the temporary personalities or egos that are so all-encompassing and all-important to you right now. You're like clouds moving in the sky, changing shape all the time, asking me if one shape will be frozen in time forever and either punished or rewarded for the way it impacted another whiff of cloud. Your perception is extremely limited. So, listen to what I'm here to tell you. You cannot imagine anything that isn't part of everything. You can't focus on a single thread and ignore the rest of the fabric. I mean, sure, you can ignore what you cannot perceive, but that doesn't will it into non-existence. You can certainly live within the limitations of your perception and be completely ignorant of everything else, which is exactly what you do do, but you can at least know that there is more beyond what you currently know. A lot more. Pretty much everything, in fact. Okay, so... You say it's like this single thread to a big fabric kind of thing, and there's stuff that we know and stuff that we don't know. So, how close are we? What percentage of reality do we actually have right? What do you mean by percentage? I mean, how much do we know compared to how much we don't know? There is no possible number for that. No number? There's no number? Why not? Because existence is infinite. Everything, at its fundamental nature, is comprised of basically a binary code. This is the duality that I spoke of. You're aware of up quarks and down quarks, right? Positive charges and negative charges of fundamental subatomic energy that creates the atoms, which creates the molecules, which creates the cells, and pretty much everything that you're aware of. So, for example, let's just play around here. Let's just say that two up quarks and one down quark combined with five up quarks and seven down quarks gives you a certain result that's the same every time. Are you with me? Now this is just a simple example. You can use that same basic formula in any number of combinations to describe the dualistic composition of everything. Sort of like a recipe for existence? Sure, if that helps. But the thing is, let's say that there are an infinite number of quarks that they just keep expanding. So then there are also an infinite number of combinations, an infinite number of possibilities. Every possibility that you can imagine, actually. And much, much more that you cannot. So, I'm sorry, I can't give you a percentage of how much you know that is correct. And believe it or not, the same can be said for me. I don't even know. Just imagine the smallest number you can imagine, and then divide that in half. And then divide that number in half, 
and keep dividing your results in half over and over and over and over again forever. Now, you would never reach the number zero, but any number that you come up with would still be way too big. But your answer is somewhere between that number and zero. Whoa, okay, wow, my head is spinning. Like a kaleidoscope, yes, I know. And it smells and tastes delicious. Cool. There's more of my real side. <laughs> so how you been, Tom Perry? <laughs> I've been good. How about you, man? Eh, it's all right, you know. It's okay. Hanging in, hanging in there. Not struggling? No, I'm struggling, but I'm hanging in there. There's There's hard times and, you know, there's good times. And it's been a lot of up and downs recently. So... I'm sorry, you got to go through all that nonsense. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's uh, it strengthens the character, Tom. Does it? Please, I hope. <laughs> There's got to be something good that comes out of this. There's got to be some good. Well, yeah, right. Got to be something, something on the other side of the shit rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what, are you going to tell me the? Uh, what what the catalyst was? What sparked this crazy? Yeah, do you want do you want to do that before we read it or after it? Your Batman baseball shirt, your Star Wars T shirt. Star Wars shirt. It's just a Star Wars shirt. It's not a baseball shirt. Are you excited for Episode Nine at all? Did you see the trailer? I assume oh, you did. I saw the trailer. I've I've made peace with the last one. <laughs> you know, like I, the first time I saw it, I hated it. The second time I saw it, I loved it. The third time I saw it, I hated it again. And then I recently watched it again. I'm like, okay, I'm all right. I'm, all right. I'm okay. There's balance in the force for me on that <laughs> last Jedi one. Okay. But um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not like, I'm, I'm more excited for Avengers Endgame than I am for. Oh yeah. Are you going to try to see it this weekend? Maybe. I don't have any plans to yet. We'll see. I'm more excited for John Wick 3. See, I, I started watching John Wick 1. I couldn't get into it. No, not, I don't know. Not giving it a fair shake. What do you like about it? Sell me on it. Everything, Sell me on John Wick. Everything. The freaking action, just the badassery is t- dialed up to an 11. Yeah, see, that doesn't do it for me. It should. I mean, well, it, it makes sense being a Metallica fan <laughs> that, like, badassery in a movie would do it for you, too. I just Damn, I'm such a sucker. I grew up, I grew up with Barry Manilow. Yeah. Okay. So I know. Sit down to pee. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Without having it be a mission rule. <laughs> <laughs> you do it, did it without the rules, man. I was sitting down before there was rules. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, so you want to know what the catalyst of this was? Yeah, but uh, I mean, if there was one. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there kind of was one. Okay. Um, I, I've been thinking lately, and I think I said it in a, in a recent episode that I did, but like, how, how can you put a, like, I've been thinking the question, like, what percentage do we know compared to what percentage we don't know of like everything that's out there? And I thought, how would you even put a percentage on it? Because if you don't know the limits of something, you can't, you can't have like a denominator. You just don't know. You, you, it's just like this shot in the dark. And, and then I saw something about how 95% of what's in the universe is dark matter. And dark matter is just, we don't know what the hell it is. And I'm like, 
<laughs> okay. So, so, so here we're playing this game of percentages with something that we claim that we don't know. And it's a really, really high percentage. So then what does, what did that tell you? And then I watched this Ted talk with this guy. I, I got to look up what his name was because he was freaking awesome. His name is David Eagleman. And let's just listen to some of his Ted talk. For me. We are built out of very small stuff and we are embedded in a very large cosmos. And the fact is that we are not very good at understanding reality at either of those scales. And that's because our brains haven't evolved to understand the world at that scale. Instead, we're trapped on this very thin slice of perception right in the middle. But it gets strange because even at that slice of reality that we call home, we're not seeing most of the action that's going on. So take the colors of our world. This is light waves, electromagnetic radiation that bounces off objects and it hits specialized receptors in the back of our eyes. But we're not seeing all the waves out there. In fact, what we see is less than a 10 trillionth of what's out there. So you have radio waves and microwaves and x-rays and gamma rays passing through your body right now and you're completely unaware of it because you don't come with the proper biological receptors for picking it up. There are thousands of cell phone conversations passing through you right now and you're utterly blind to it. Now, it's not that these things are inherently unseeable. Snakes include some infrared in their uh, reality and honeybees include ultraviolet in their view of the world. And of course, we build machines in the dashboards of our cars to pick up on signals in the radio frequency range. And we build machines in hospitals to pick up on the x-ray range. But you can't sense any of those by yourself, at least not yet, because you don't come equipped with the proper sensors. And he talked about the umwelt. He, he talked about um, like what we've been able to evolve to, to see with our senses and hear and feel and touch and how it's different for animals and you know, all these different things. And like one of the things that he does is he creates he, he creates things that allow people to use other senses for communication. Like he'll have, and I got to remember what it was. It's like this pad that he puts on the back with electronic signals that will trans like for deaf people. So it'll hear words and it'll like do these vibrations and they like teach them. Implant is it kind of basis in that technology or is it something different? Maybe, but this this was like vibrations on their back. That's on a vest that they wear. Wow. Okay. Uh, and 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 I mean, just like it was totally mind blowing. The things. Um, and in fact, I think I got a, I think I got one of his audio books, but I've forgotten his name, and so I haven't listened to it yet. But he's freaking awesome. So, I, I just all these things are always on my mind, Tom. And so this morning, I woke up at like four thirty in the morning. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And I just started writing this thing. Uh, oh, an, another influence was this book called Conversations with God that somebody recommended to me several months ago. And I started listening to it. And I just couldn't get very far into it because it was just a little bit too, uh, I don't know. New age. It was a little too something for me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do art with New Age. But oh, okay. yeah, it was, a little, it was a little maybe too traditional Christianity I, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be totally honest, it seems a little pedestrian to me, and that just makes me seem like an elitist asshole. I like it. It's like, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've already thought that before. Yeah, tell me something I don't know. It's so pedestrian. That's below, yeah. That's below my pay grade. Yeah.
Your mic's not picking up very well. Is, it, is, it, is that not the normal mic, mic that you use? It is, but I'm on this crazy mixer thing. Hang on, let me adjust. Oh, crazy mixers. Hi, is this any better? Uh, wow. Was that it? Yeah, it I loved it. Okay. I loved it. Well, again, you better damn yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like you're Howard Stern and I'm that chick sitting on the big speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember that scene, but it was burned into my memory. <laughs> oh yeah baby more bass more bass yeah 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 all right so so i i I wrote this this morning i sent it to several people you were one of them and you're like i hate it oh that's exactly (laughs) what i said you (laughs) like i hate it i'm like cool let's record something about it then (laughs) (laughs) yeah verbatim that's what i said i hate it all right so so I'll, i'll start um Wait, and, wait. and then I'll, I'll read like the italic part because I did start, I did start thinking of you in this, like, especially the part where it's like, what about cosmic justice? Yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is Tom Perry's voice in my head. Now it was so in your head. So I'm like, I, I'm really glad to hear you like read these lines. Cause some of them I wrote specifically with you in my mind. Well, because I was reading through this and I was like, why the hell would Glenn be sending me this? And yeah, I got to the injustice part. I was like, Oh, there it is. That's why there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. So once upon a time, a rather normal, quite unremarkable man, that's me, was taking a nice warm bath with, um, I didn't say it in here, but it was a bath with uh, pink Himalayan uh, bath salts. Um, (laughs) When all of a sudden he heard a voice coming from deep within his brain, the dialogue below is what followed. Hello, can anybody hear me? No? This is where I breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. Did I you just say breed? This is where I breed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can hear you. Really? That's how you would say it? That's not a very Tom Perry kind of like, like I, I'm expecting like more kind of like, I can hear you. <laughs> kind of like the Tom side. Kind of like, all right, what? Are you really calling me at this late hour? Yeah, there you go. I can hear you. Well, it's about time. I've been waiting here forever. Who are you? I'm me. But who is that? You wouldn't understand. No, try me. Okay. I'm the Ichiban Kaminari Centrificum Dualeptus, concurrently focused towards the Octaquadra Trihedrianta, multiplied by a factor of infinite expansion. I don't understand most of those words. Eh, That's because I just made most of them up. Words are symbols that represent things in the known world. So what symbols should I use to represent things that are unknown to you? You could just tell me what is unknown so that it would become, that it would then become known. Yeah, I'm sorry. I write kind of clunky for your voice in there, don't I? Do you want to try that again? And you're like, do it, do it how you would do it. Do it the Tom Perry way. (laughs) (laughs) You could just tell me what is unknown and then all of a sudden it would become known. Okay, you're right. And that's exactly what I do. It's exactly why I'm here. And where exactly is that? Inside of you, Tom. And outside of you and all around you, really. Have you ever looked at a kaleidoscope? Yeah, I've looked at a kaleidoscope. (laughs) Perfect! Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. That's sort of what I'm doing. You're one of the little pieces that's moving around and changing your shape and design all the time. Only I'm not looking through a single eye hole. I'm looking in at every possible angle all at once. 
And your kaleidoscope is the size of the entire universe, which is constantly expanding, by the way. And instead of just seeing you as swirling shapes and colors with my eyes, <laughs> I also smell all there is to smell about you and taste everything there is to taste about you and feel and hear everything there is to feel and hear. But those are just the five senses that you're most familiar with and the limited ranges that you've evolved to perceive. That's the umwelt, Tom. Mm -hmm. There are hundreds more. You don't fully recognize this yet, but thought and imagination is also a sense. So I also imagine all that you imagine, and I think all that you think. There's more, of course, but you really just wouldn't understand. Oh my God. <laughs> Very close. There's so much there. All right. Uh, so what? Are you God then? No. Is there a God? What do you mean by God? You know, like Father in Heaven, creator of all things, kind of God. No. In order for there to be a creator of all things, there must have first been nothing. And there has never been nothing. And in order for there to be a father, your idea of gender would have to apply to everything that exists. And that's almost as impossible and absurd as thinking that you could have a father creator without a mother as well. Now, there is duality. That much is true. But it's more like up and down or in and out than it is male and female. And the infinite combinations of this duality is what provides all the variety of existence that you experience, as well as all that you do not. And it's this duality itself that chooses its own combinations. I'm a result of this duality. You're a result of this duality. I suppose that you could call the entirety of this intelligent, creative duality God. But then you might as well call it everything. And since everything includes everything, it's not distinct from anything, which really shows you nothing and therefore isn't very instructive. <laughs> yeah, not very instructive. What? Okay, whatever. How, just tell me this. Is there at least universal justice? What do you mean? Like, will good people be rewarded and evil people be punished? Well, they already are. But I mean, you said there is no father in heaven, creator, God person, right? But is there at least among all this intelligent, creative duality, some focus on punishing the wicked and rewarding those who do good? I told you that the best way to conceive of the idea of God is to think of it as everything. So is what you're asking a part of everything? Yes. Well, then there you go. But so is not punishing the wicked that is part of everything, too. So is people getting away with horrible things. Right, which happens all the time. Yeah, and that totally sucks. <laughs> Where's my Tom Perry passion? Where's the passion, Tom? I, you really did channel me here. This is pretty crazy. Uh, yes, and that totally sucks. But they can't be both punished in the afterlife and not punished in the after. Wait punished in the afterlife and not punished in the afterlife yeah they can't be both punished and not punished is the, is the idea there that makes no sense no it makes perfect sense because it's part of everything and everything is based on opposing dualities and everything is infinitely expanding your need for justice is small and temporary in the grand scheme of things <laughs> i was just shaking your head here how important is it to you that a thief in persia three thousand years ago murdered his neighbor and completely got away with it. It simply fades into the pattern of everything that ever was, is, or will be. Eternal justice, eternal reward. Who exactly is receiving this? When you die, you die. Only the duality continues on. I think that's an um, it's an M. Only the duality continues. 
but it does so quite independently of the temporary personalities or egos that are so all-encompassing and all-important to you right now. You're like clouds moving in the sky, changing shape all the time, asking me if one shape will be frozen in time forever and either be punished or rewarded for the way it impacted another whiff of cloud. Your perception is so limited. So listen to what I'm here to tell you. <laughs> okay. You cannot imagine anything that isn't a part of everything. You can't focus on a single thread and ignore the rest of the fabric. I mean, sure, you can ignore what you cannot perceive, but that doesn't will it into non-existence. You can certainly live within the limitations of your perception and be completely ignorant of everything else, which is exactly what you do. But you can at least know that there is more beyond what you currently know, a lot more, pretty much everything, in fact. Uh, okay, so you say it's like a single thread to a big fabric kind of thing, and there's stuff we know and stuff we don't know. So how close are we? What percentage of reality do we have it right? What do you mean by percentage? I mean, how much do we know compared to how much we don't know? There is no possible number for that. Why not? Because existence is infinite. Everything at its fundamental nature is comprised of basically a binary code. This is the duality that I spoke of. There, you're aware of quarks, right? Up quarks and down quarks, positive charges and negative charges of fundamental energy that creates atoms, which creates molecules, which creates cells, and pretty much everything that you're aware of. So, for example, two up quarks and one down quark combined with five up quarks and seven down quarks gives you a certain result that's the same every time. Are you with me? This is just a simple example. You can use the same basic formula in any number of combinations to describe the dualistic composition of everything. Like a recipe for existence? Sure, if that helps. But the thing is, let's say that there are an infinite number of quarks. They just keep expanding. So there are also an infinite number of combinations, an infinite number of possibilities. Every possibility that you can imagine, actually, and much, much more that you cannot. So I'm sorry, I can't give you a percentage of how much you know that's anywhere near correct. And believe it or not, the same can be said for me. I don't know. Just imagine the smallest number you can imagine and then divide it in half and then divide that number in half and keep dividing your results in half over and over and over and over again forever. You'll never reach the zero sum, but any number that you do come up with would still be way too big. And your answer is somewhere between that number and zero. Yeah, okay, so my head is spinning. Like a kaleidoscope. Yes, I know. And it smells and tastes delicious. <laughs> oh, this is. All right. So, what did you think of it, though, Tom? I mean, on the premise, it's, it's interesting, like the, the aspects and sort of that heady, the infinite numbers, um, that kind of stuff. I was, I'm down. I was, I was on board with, but the, I didn't like the pretentious talk down <laughs> to help you understand, but you're just a finite individual. And I'm like, then why the fuck are you even communicating with me right now? I mean, to teach you. Well then teach me. You well, he just did. No, no. Cause <laughs> down to him by saying, Oh, well I could help you understand, but you're so limited. You're so finite. You think of things so binary. I, I don't really think there's much I can do to help you, but I'll try. And what I'll do is I'll make your head explode. It'll be, and it'll be <laughs> entertaining for me, but for you, you're like, what, huh? What's <laughs> so yes. 
It is entertaining for me. You nailed it. <laughs> now you're channeling me. <laughs> I mean, but the, the thing is, is I, I don't like, I, I don't know. I was reflecting back to just the God concept. Yeah. If, if when we speak to God and if God's like, well, I could tell you things. This isn't God. Well, okay. Whatever higher being is. So if this higher being is trying to communicate with us and trying to help us understand certain things, well, they're the higher being. Why is it that they can't speak to us with concepts that we do understand instead of saying, well, I mean, what I'm telling you is quarks up, quarks down, infinity expanding, and you're never going to get it because you want to know why? Because you think in binary terms and you think of beginnings and ends, and there is none of this bullshit that you think of in the wider scope of things. Oh, really? Oh, really? So so we're supposed to just understand your plane of thinking. You can't come down to our way of thinking. Instead, it's just you're going to continue to keep this level of separation between us. And instead, you're the elite being. Thank you for making that well known. But instead, you're not going to try to communicate to make some sort of common ground with this. Anyway, all right, there you go. So box off. Nice. I love it. So, so like, if... If you think about, and I don't, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, mm-hmm. but like once upon a time, people didn't know that there were microwaves out there, yeah. you know, they didn't know that there were x-rays. They didn't know that there were ultraviolet rays. Radio waves. So, yeah. Right. So, so what if you had someone from the future who did know that they were there and had instruments that were able to tell it, but they're going back to like people in Roman times or something like that. Right. Like how would they explain to them what they are? They'd have to. They'd have to go. Okay. Well, you know, like how there are like waves in an ocean. Well, there's like these, but they're kind of different, and they're out there, you know. And they'd be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, well, someday you will, you know, because <laughs> we'll evolve to a point where you'll have instruments that'll be able to detect these things that are out there. But right now, at your state of evolution, you, you know, you haven't biologically evolved to be able to detect these things that are out there. The instruments that you've created, oh god, haven't been able to detect these things that they're out there. But they're out there. I don't like that analogy because, I mean, if I were to superimpose what I'm thinking of this whole story, the person that's going back in time would also have enough knowledge in his head that he knows exactly the fundamentals of waves and he can describe it on a very ground up level for these people that don't know what the hell they are. He would start, you know, it waves 101 and start to build them up. That's if he was a higher being, but if he's just a dude... Yeah, he's going to be like, how can I explain it? Uh, I just got this machine that shows waves on it, and I can speak to another person that has a machine like this. It's freaking cool, dude. When you get to the future, you'll get it. It's cool. But that's well, what we're talking We're talking about some asshole who speaks <laughs> and, says, and says, oh, I, I get it. I understand yeah. it, but I'm not about to tell you because it's going to just confuse you. So uh how's that how's that work out for you that's pretty cool well, i i appreciate your you know i appreciate your estimation of my abilities <laughs> but i i don't know things that i don't know to be able to really come in and you know like i don't even know the things that i should know that i don't know so i'm just playing around with ideas in here no i get I, you the kaleidoscope thing was pretty good though right the kaleidoscope thing was pretty good and and and, and i and the clouds the clouds that was pretty good i mean come on how many pats on the back of you jeez <laughs> no but it, the, but the in, the infinity the forever the ever expanding stuff that's the stuff that i actually think that there's something in all that 
you know, and it's also how, how life just continues to regenerate itself and that we're all cells and we're all related and we all, you know, from the dirt we become and then to the dirt we return, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with that philosophical Socrates. But what, and, and what are you including when you say the we? Like, like from dirt we come and from dirt we return. Like what, what's included in that we? Like human beings, life. Yeah, but but life and in, life includes things that aren't part of uh, dirt and don't ever go back to dirt. Well, like, like I, and I'm talking about like the atoms, you know, like the like like the energy that makes us up. Okay, so I was using dirt as a form of like how we perceive Earth, but yeah, you're right. Everything goes back to atoms, mm-hmm. including dirt. Okay. Right. Okay. And and then I lost the point. What what was the point then? Because I was I was fixated on dirt. <laughs> so if we originate from something, like right. if, if if you want to go, well, dirt's still it's not. No, so let's go with atoms. Yeah. And so if we're all atoms or whatever, yeah. So then they somehow form us or life or certain aspects or constructs or whatever, and then when we our life cycles up or whatever and we die and then, but our atoms don't die. They just right. migrate into other things or other, you know? Yeah. So, so that was it because you said we die. And I was asking, what do you mean by we? So, so like the atoms that are us don't die, but there's something about us that does die. Yeah. Our consciousness. And, it, and it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what the consciousness is, but it's, it's like our, our biological. Yeah. I don't know what consciousness is. Yeah, you do. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's awareness. It's like my, my ability to focus on like what you're talking about right now. And that's something like, like, like me, the, the human personality of me dies. Right. Right. But the atoms that are me keep going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's it. Nice. I don't, right. I, I, good episode. You don't know. <laughs> good, good episode. What was it, 20 minutes? If that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like it, it's like what Joseph Smith said. If I told you everything that I know, you'd seek my life. He said, I'm that. "Okay." Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't know he said that. He's like, "Oh, if I told you guys everything that I know." I, that, that was in those Truman Madsen Joseph Smith tapes that I listened to over and over again on my mission. Didn't listen to that stuff. You didn't? Why not? Okay, that would explain why I fell away from the church, probably. No, because I did too, and I listened to them a lot. Yeah, no, I don't know. I I didn't have access to them. I didn't think they were a thing. Oh. I was busy reading those. Uh, what was it the uh, Jesus the Christ articles of faith? Yeah. Marvelous yeah. wonder. Yeah, I read, I read those too multiple times because I think that was the only books we were allowed to read. I read some Star Wars books too. Yeah, the Timothy's on uh, like post. Uh, Return of the Jedi stuff that had like Grand Admiral Thrawn in them. Those are pretty cool books. The books that got thrown out of the canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did. <laughs> so you, yeah. you spend a lot of time thinking about this crazy beyond our existence stuff. All the time. Really? I love it. Yeah. I can't, I can't get enough of it. It's, it's, it's the only thing that like holds my attention because I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around it. I don't know. There's other things that hold my attention. No, I mean, like it, it ties into biology too. So, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll just watch YouTube videos on cells, <laughs> you know, like how, how like I, I watched, I watched one and I actually sent this to Colton back a few months ago. I'm like, do you want to talk about this? He's like, 
nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Love that but, guy. Honesty, though. But just how like in in the the DNA of every cell is the blue map or, or is the blueprint for that that cell could become anything in the body. Yeah. But there's like environmental triggers that tell it what to do to tell it what to become like that's such a fascinating idea to me and mm. i don't know i didn't it, it wasn't fascinating to me when i was in high school and i was learning about biology i didn't care and i didn't take those classes in college so now i'm getting into it are you getting into it because you have more of a what an expansive universal way of thinking about life or the universe and all that or what i guess what do you mean by expansive universal way of looking at life well, because in the Mormon paradox or in the Mormon box of way oh. of thinking that it was so small minded, or at least, you know, that as much as they say that it, there's infinity or worlds beyond number or whatever it is, there was always a start and a finish with Mormon way or doctrine or whatever. To me, not my, not, not the kind of Mormonism that I was ingesting because I, you know, like I was, I, I was interested in Nibley and McConkie and, and what was that? So there was a pre pre-existence, like there was always a start. No, because there, because like spirits came from intelligence and intelligence, intelligence forms spirits and spirits form uh, bodies and then bodies become gods. And like, oh, it was God. always a question of what is, what, what is intelligence and where does that come from? And, you know, that, so that, that was always, and and plus the idea of God having a father and that father having a father and you know the turtles all the way down thing that's that's a part of Mormon doctrine so there's that that's that's King Follett man um, <laughs> King Follett man and I think it's in the DNC too I I just don't remember it, anymore but yeah who knows but it it was things that I thought about so I I, I had a pretty expansive view of the the universe um, as a Mormon and maybe that's even why I'm interested in it now because it's like. Mormonism formed these different interests in my brain. And then when I turned away from Mormonism, it was like a, a, a stream that I shut, I, I dammed the water. And so all these riverbeds are dry and I'm like, Oh, but I can, I can find a source of water from these other places and fill these riverbeds in a different way. Do you don't, feel, <laughs> you don't feel like you're trying to search for certain answers maybe? Cause that's what it seems like to me. Cause when, when I go down these paths, I'm always looking for either clues or pointers to send me in directions where, you know, puzzle pieces start to click in my brain. Like, Oh, that makes sense. That, and now I sort of get the grasp of this. Yeah. I think, I think it's more, I, I think that's definitely part of it, but, but I, I think it's also like a, a search for how do I relax about life? Wait, so going out into the mysteries of the unknown gives you what peace yeah yeah it 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 makes it it makes it makes a lot of things seem so much smaller you know it 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 makes the 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 things that um i usually get bent out of shape about just seem kind of insignificant in comparison i mean that and that you kind of see that in what i wrote about um the concerns about justice oh yeah um you know it's just it's just minuscule and you know, so like I don't have, you know, you know, like because I, I went through this whole thing with the the Trump presidency and the dossier. And, you know, like Scott and Matt and I did a couple of those dossier episodes and I was watching Rachel Maddow every night like for the first 
four or five months of the presidency and I was just getting so bent out of shape. It's just like, ah, yeah, it's just sure. freaking me out. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to unwind. I've got to, I've got to find some things that will take my mind off of this stuff and give me a different perspective. And, you know, so then the Jonathan Haidt, the Yuval Harari, Alan Watts, all that stuff just kind of got, went, oh yeah, yeah. I like this stuff. So it gave you more Zen, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I did, I'm glad you brought up the injustice thing. <laughs> you were super dismissive of that in there, dude. Like I, the, the, just the fact like, well, what's the big deal? Like it, it, you, the punishment's already there. No, it's not. No, it's not. Injustice, injustice is super important. And the fact that people are so dismissive of it drives me crazy. And yes, I know I'm being subjective. It's really important to me and I'm projecting it all onto you guys. So eat it. Yeah. And just, no, I love it. Just really, really important. And I mean, if you just take, Oh, I don't know, Stalin, Hitler, you know, the good old fashioned people that everybody points to the, the, the atrocities that they committed and then they just get to die or whatever. They, it's just, just sucks, man. It's one of those things where I keep hoping in some form of afterlife because they've got to get their comeuppance, man. They just, they just, I mean, it just has to because it, it's, it, it's so unfair if, if nothing happens and it sucks. Yeah, it, then it, it is. Cause then it just makes me feel like, okay, um, if I were to teach the young kids anything now, be as debaucherous as you can, make sure you do everything you can to get away with it. Because guess what? When you die, dude, oh, smooth sailing. All those people you wronged, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for it. It's freaking great, dude. Just get away with it. But why do you, why do you go that direction? Like, like it, it, when, when you acknowledge that people get away with shit and it's not fair, yeah. Why then do you go, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to harm as many people as I want. I mean, I thought that harming people was the reason that you were upset in the first place. I'm not talking about me per se. Uh, yeah. You I, said you were going to teach people to go out and be debaucherous. I would, that, that's a lesson that I think that gets spoken if that's, if that's reality and who knows if it is, it doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter, but, <laughs> whatever. but no, the, the fact is, is, if that's reality, that injustice or that the scales of justice won't ever be balanced out in any way, yeah. shape, or form. And I know, and I, and I struggle with that and it, and it could very easily be a reality. I acknowledge that too. I just really, really struggle with it because there are some serious injustice that happens in this world that happens to not just one person, not, you know, just, Oh, this back in Persia, this one guy got robbed. Uh, terrible. <laughs> I mean, if you just take just murdered, yeah, you got murdered, Tom. But if, but if you take a terrible injustice like murder, like if someone's family got murdered or whatever, and then they just live the rest of their life in Cancun with a different identity, I mean, come on. I'm supposed to just be like, okay, that's cool, that sucks. So what, what if, what if some of the atoms that were in that person's body now are in your body? That wouldn't, I mean, I, I don't even know what to make or think of that. Cause it makes absolutely no difference, right? Makes no difference. Makes no difference at all. Or, or and, we don't and, know, maybe it does. And, who yeah. and, and, you know, so, so like you said, we don't know, 
but but within the limits of what we do know and like we've got a limited perspective there's a certain place right. where we're like okay we can know these things we don't know what's beyond that right. within within the parameters that we do know we know that injustice exists in the world right yeah yeah undeniably it does that's why we work at making sure we have systems of justice in place sure yeah to try and minimize it and and especially like that where, where's the best place to do that is first with yourself and then like your immediate family you know like starting with the concentric circles and going outwards right right we've had that discussion before but it's just like like for me if if like i i love it when we have we've had these conversations and some great episodes that you've headed up in the past like about forgiveness and holding grudges and things like that um and i i think my answer today is very similar to what what it was back then it just i i i don't like that feeling of being of holding on to that and being so uptight about something that i really don't have any control over i don't like that feeling either so let it go tom let it go that simple (laughs) phrase let it go is you make it sound so easy mm. and and, then, and I, I guess for me and again i'm projecting onto other people my own experience here but if if i if someone had drunk driver killed my wife and my kids yeah tomorrow and i'm supposed to just take glenn's phrase by letting it go you don't want to hold on to that pain tom just let it go and it's like but that was messed up and that's that's a life altering shift that i don't you know it's gonna it's gonna alter and affect every decision going forward and i'm supposed to just be like oh no that it was a sucky day that day but hey at least you know i can go watch the new avengers movie this week no no nothing nothing's ever gonna nothing's ever gonna heal the pain of losing your wife and your kids to a drunk driver yeah right you'll heal that i mean but there's there's an underlying thing to that pain it's the fact that that happened and it was just, it, it, I don't know if it's something in our biology or something in our makeup or chemistry or what that makes us think that was so wrong. Let's take the drunk driver part of it out of it. Let's just say it was some reckless driver who was just robbed a bank and was trying to get out of there and killed their family. I mean, we're talking again. So How much money did they get from the, the robbery? It the, makes a difference. $147. All right. That, oh, that that's actually pretty good. So they just took 147. That's it. That's and that was the cost of your kids, of your family's life. Yeah. But the, just, the reason yeah. Why I try to flip it to that is because most people will say, well, the guy was drunk. He, he wasn't in the right mind. You know, he had a he, he was on a chemical that altered his uh, conscious and whatever. OK, but if if someone was in the right mind and they were doing things in a very reckless, risky, dangerous way. And they put themselves in a situation to harm other people intentionally because they're trying to get cops or whatever. That's a, that's not just a tough pill to swallow that. I just don't know how you can. I really, how you can, can what, how you can accept the fact that this person consciously or intentionally or whatever you want to say, did something that permanently altered your life moving forward and permanently altered every, you know, those that you love dearly moving forward. And you're supposed to just go Zen on it and you're supposed to just let it go to me. Part of the healing process, no doubt would be 
realizing that that person has to suffer serious consequences for that, you know? And yeah. I, I would sleep better at night knowing, well, hell, at least that person's off the streets or, you know, he's, he's in a situation now, whether it's prison or mental institution or, or he, even if it was a capital punishment sort of deal, at least that person's no longer out there potentially causing harm to anyone else. You know, I'm not disagreeing with any of this. I don't, I don't, I don't think what you're saying is like antithetical to letting it go. Yeah. I think it, is it not? Because to me, everything that you were saying was so dismissive of any form of needing justice to be satisfied. I never, I, I, you know, when, when you say just let it go, what that translates to me is like, Hey Tom, if you need justice, in some way, shape or form, because an injustice happened to you. If you are seeking for it, why, why are you staying up at night worrying about this? It's like, well, it's not part of it or most of it is for me. Like I want to see consequences happen to really bad people. There's no doubt about that. But I also want to see that consequence eliminated or minimized from happening to other people as well, because I don't want people, other people to suffer the same. Right. But the, but the reason that I don't want you staying up worrying about it at night is because that's not healthy for you. It's not. But that, but that doesn't mean that there can't be justice. I mean, it's just like, how do you figure? Can, can, can you want justice? Can, can you want justice and still be at peace? You know, where you're, where you're not staying up and worrying about it at night. That's is a that possibility. I, that's a great question. I'm not totally sure. And because I haven't been in those scenarios, I'm only, I'm only using stories and even movie depictions in my mind about this sort of thing and a lot of them are telling me that no you can't it just depends it depends on how badly you need the the scales of justice to be balanced back out you know if if it was one particular individual i mean think of any revenge flick right have you seen taken and peppermint and all these movies Uh -uh. well we were just talking about john wick right yeah i I don't like john wick (laughs) I know you don't. I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And I like Keanu Reeves, but I couldn't get into John Wick. That's, I tried. It's a dirty shame, man. Yeah. Is there any revenge movie or storyline you like? No. In fact, The Count of Monte Cristo is kind of like the ultimate revenge story to me because I read the book and I saw the movie and I just hated them both. <laughs> Why? I, I just absolutely hated them because I thought this guy's ruined his whole life trying to get revenge. So he wanted the scales of justice to be. Eaten. Yeah, and, and all he did was spread misery to everyone. There was no, there was, there, there was no healing. There was no justice that came. There's no healing. You sure? Yeah. The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Yeah. He destroyed a lot of people's lives. He destroyed a lot of people's lives, but guess what? His life was ruined. His life was ruined and a lot of other people's lives was ruined. So the scale somewhere was still kind of like this <laughs> out of balance. Oh, <laughs> uh, so if you just ruined one other person's life, would <laughs> is that what you want to do? You just like, okay, this person ruined my, it's, it's like the tit for tat thing. And then we've got justice. We just got to ruin other. I don't know. The tit for tat thing. Actually. I think there's something to that. It's sort of the eye for an eye sort of deal. That's where, I mean, that's what justice is. If, if someone severely wrongs you, you want a punishment. You want consequences on that person for doing that. I mean, am I wrong? I don't know. I, 
I I don't. But you don't. So cool. if someone no, I don't. wrongs you, steals your car, and you're like, oh man, he probably needed it. I don't know. If somebody stole my car, I've I've got insurance that you know. I don't know. I <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like going to a voodoo doctor and go, okay, get this guy. You know, like I Not wh- whoever that. this guy is, wherever he is, I I wouldn't put his name in a in a box and curse it at the altar of the temple like the mormons did with the, okay okay so you, you know, don't okay so you people won't that persecuted joseph smith you wouldn't so. do something supernatural okay but would you go file? well not even supernatural but i mean i just I, okay maybe maybe file, that was it. go ahead go ahead go ahead file a police report and then follow up to make sure that they're following the leads to find the guy that did it if i did that i would be motivated because i want my car back not because i want this person who did it to be like harmed or punished like, like you, you can just go to court for it i i mean i i would i would if this if there's like some criminal i'd want them off the street so they're not spreading crime but it's not like i feel like there's this this score that needs to be settled because he wronged me and how dare he <laughs> you know <laughs> dude I, I don't how, how is it that we we've uh, we be friends gosh how is it that we be friends you, 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 you didn't like john wick you don't like take <laughs> i haven't seen i haven't seen taken so i don't know if i like it or not three of them so <laughs> but, i know but I, I do like the line from deadpool at some point you think maybe he's just a bad father or maybe it's just bad parenting <laughs> that was funny yeah funny. i like deadpool yeah i like deadpool Hey, there's a revenge story. Uh, yeah, I guess it kind of is, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole part where he, have you seen the second one? Yeah. So when his wife gets killed, right? And he, yeah. he goes completely ape, killing everybody. You right, didn't... and he can't get into her in heaven because his heart's not in the right place. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's not the part that I'm talking about. And <laughs> I know. That's such a stupid part anyways. <laughs> But you, I don't know. It was pretty cool when he got into that bubble. <laughs> you, you would want into that bubble. Well, of course, that's not that's not the point. But the, why would she be in the bubble to begin with? You know, it's like that she shouldn't have been. She shouldn't have been killed. But the point is, you don't. You couldn't find yourself in a position to even empathize with him, where he's like, "I've got to c- kill every person that was responsible for this." You you couldn't understand that. I, I that's not what empathy is a, em, like a, empathy is be able to be able to feel his sorrow not not to say i'm going to do with it the same thing that he's going to do with it well but you, you know so like i would be able to feel that pain and feel that sorrow and empathize with it but do, what about vengeance is that not a feeling that you can empathize with i can empathize with vengeance i there have been a lot of times in my life where i felt the urge to get revenge but i but it's not i it doesn't, I don't know. It's not, it, it hasn't been fulfilling to me the times that I've done it. It just makes me more angry. When, I don't want to be angry. When you've had those, those feelings of vengeance and then seen the scales come back into balance. I've, I've had times where I've done the stupidest things out of just trying to get revenge and even the scale. Uh-huh. I've done stupid, stupid things that just end up making things worse. Hmm. I mean, I'm like, I'm not saying I'm over it, Tom. <laughs> like there's times I still do it. There's times I still do it. I still do like stupid, petty things out of revenge. You do? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. I like, I, I feel like shit about it after I do it. 
Each and every time, though? Each and every time I recognize it. I'm sure there's times where I do it and I'm not even aware that I've done it. There, there's something weird, this whole journey that I've taken with this forgiveness grudges thing when I first started it, because I was, I mean, I was really trying to understand people that hold grudges to like the maximum level. I will take this grudge to the grave sort of thing. Yeah. And I've, I caught to a point where I started to actually see the side where I, I started to not just understand it, but I actually sort of found myself applauding it on some level where I thought that there might be something beneficial for doing it. And it's, it's very similar to the stories. If you want to take ex Mormons, for example, if, if tragic things happen, if just horrible things are said when a person leaves the church and then there's several, you know, communication relationships that are permanently. Well, I mean, you can't say permanently until it's permanent, but for all intents and purposes, those relationships are completely severed they don't speak to each other anymore. And it's like, for, for my own mental well-being, I can no longer talk to my dad who said this horrible thing to me or said, you're no longer part of the family, whatever it is. I almost think that there's something commendable about that. I used to think that it, it, it was just like what I've, I hear you saying is that it's, it's not good for anyone. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about how I feel with it. Don't, don't then project that out that I'm putting judgments on people who are different. But, I, that, that's not, that's not coming from me. Okay. But even just you, you have to yeah. acknowledge that there's people like you out there. Sure. Okay. All right. There you go. But, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying that my way is the only way that my way is the best way. I'm not saying, I'm saying that either. No, but you just said that you thought that I was saying that mine was how other people should be. Or maybe I misinterpreted it. I thought, I yeah. thought that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, maybe I did say that. I'm sorry. That's, uh, yeah. That's the sense I get that you're telling, even if it is, you're just saying, this is, this is me. Sometimes I feel like you're saying, and hey, Tom, I don't know, you should be like this too. <laughs> you should be more like me. You should not watch all those taken and... Uh, Oh no, I don't think that I, I, I tease you about it because, because I, because I, I do think that you would, that that you carry more like. This sounds like it's coming from stress and anxiety than you need to, when you do that. Oh, I don't disagree with some of that. No. And so, and so I kind of tease you and needle needle you about it, but you know, you're, you're, you're clearly a very different personality than mine and, and you know, you function in different ways. So I'm not like, you gotta be like wearing your star Wars shirts and listening to Beatles all the time. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm over here wearing Batman shirts and listening to Metallica all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, it's really, really, but we both have a mom named Martha, so <laughs> we don't have to kill each other. Besties now. We're be besties. <laughs> Did you watch that movie? Your, mom, your mom's name is Martha too? What? Oh, I'm not going to kill you now. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You want to team up and go fight some bad guys together? <laughs> that was so dumb. I don't. Just... Oh, DC. I didn't, I didn't see Aquaman. Did you see Aquaman? Yeah, of course. Is it good? It's great. You, I think you'll enjoy it. It's fun. Really? I don't think I will. I, don't, I liked Wonder Woman. Give it a chance. Well, if you like... Yeah. You'll enjoy Aquaman. Give it a shot. It's a right. movie. You got to turn your brain off. It's fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's a guy that talks to fish. It's great. 
There's a big underwater battle that even I was laughing my ass off. I cannot believe they did this in a movie. It's freaking hilarious. People, they had people riding seahorses. <laughs> it's so good. I cannot believe they pulled it off. But it was so fun. It's super fun. Uh, I don't know. I'll wait till it's free somewhere. You know, I, I could I could probably plunk four ninety nine down and rent it on iTunes. Yeah, red box it. Yeah, for a buck. Oh, I don't. What's red? Oh. That's where you actually have to use like a DVD player, right? Yeah, well, I don't think I have one of those anymore. <laughs> okay, fine. And no, I've got like a PlayStation. I could put it in if I wanted to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've gone fully digital, Tom. You've gone, and everyone else should too. <laughs> <laughs> the way I live my life is how everyone should live it. Yeah. All right. So, any 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 final thoughts, Tom? Because I'm hungry. Oh, okay. Talking about justice makes you hungry, huh? Talking about talking about justice makes me hungry. No, I think I'm good. If you're all right, yeah. I used to, I used yeah. to I used to think that when when I would battle ideas like this with you, it would piss you off and you would uh, hold a grudge against me. Really? Yeah. You thought I was you thought I was pissed off at you and I was holding grudges against you, huh? Sometimes on certain certain disagreements, yeah. But mm. the thing is, that's not that's not isolated. Just That'd be like lots of other people that I disagreed with. <laughs> because I, I think that's you projecting yourself onto other people, Tom. Of course it is. It goes back to that whole, there's certain things where people would. Um, I mean, I don't want to piss you off and have you hold a, jug, a grudge against me, but I think that's you. I think it is me too. <laughs> but no, I, it goes back to that whole thing. What thing? That you tie certain things up into your identity and then you take things personal that you shouldn't be. This is, this is my new Rorschach theory of everything which is you know, you know what a, you know what a rorschach test is of course yeah it's those ink blots yeah most and, of them like bats yeah 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 <laughs> yeah right right yeah uh well I, and and i looked it up apparently there's only 10 official rorschach ink blots that are are used by psychiatrists or psychologists i always mix them up okay but um but it, it's the way that people interpret them it, it's not it's not like there is one true form of a rorschach it's all about how people interpret things i I, I just think that's like everything like every interaction that we have with people the the reaction that we have to this outside form this outside thing is much more informative of who we are and our personalities and you know the the things that we focus on the things that we ignore um than than it is about like the actual form itself yeah and um yeah so you can have people riding on seahorses and some people go, Oh, that, that, that makes me feel awesome inside. That's more about them. Or some people go, Oh, that's stupid. That's more about them than the seahorse <laughs> itself. Although sea, seahorses are pretty stupid. <laughs> what? No, they're cool. Uh, they're pretty stupid. It's kind of a stupid idea. Like, are, are they holding tridents? Of course, dude. Yes. Are, are they shoot? Are they shooting like uh, sea lightning, ocean lightning out of their tridents while they're riding seahorses? I think so. I can't, I've got to... <laughs> <laughs> it's like sea lightning one of, one of my favorite things i think it's on an honest trailer about aquaman where it's like they were breaking down okay so you watch this movie and, you, and you're confused as what exactly are aquaman's powers because he's like one step below superman in this movie like he's bulletproof he's stab proof he he can pretty much do everything everything except for maybe no. fly. but yeah Everything else, he's yeah, he can do anything. 
That's what I thought about the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers. You know, it was yeah, like a little too powerful in that. Yeah. Like, but 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 it's like conveniently powerful in some situations where she can come in and do the Deus Ex Machina, and just like you think somebody's going to die, and then she comes in and like she just waves her hand, and this red magic does whatever she needs it to do. And then like if that was the case, she'd be so invincible, but she's not. So what's the deal? And what's the deal with her accent, Scarlet Witch? <laughs> <laughs> who's who's the who's your favorite Avenger? Hmm. I had this conversation with myself. Um, Thanos. <laughs> I so I so love Thanos, man. I freaking love Thanos. I'm well, so Team Thanos. You're, you're Team Thanos. <laughs> yeah, because I I just I I loved the way I've always I've always really loved a really uh, formidable, smart, impossible to defeat bad guy. I always thought those were like the, the those make the best kind of stories. Sure. And, and um, so I loved that about him, but but I loved the way that he just made sense. He's like, I'm I'm doing yeah yeah sure I'm destroying half of the population, but look at the other half they're thriving right like they're yeah. gonna die anyway. Everybody's gonna die every, anyway, and like his whole theory is that there's a finite. That see like what I what I wrote was that there's an infinite universe. But he was operating from the premise of there being finite resources, and and life just gets out of control. And so he's he's the guy that goes in and he chops up the weeds. And we do that all the time anyway. Like like if we've got a garden, we don't want it to be overgrown with weeds. <laughs> you know, from the weeds perspective, they think, oh, you're killing me. We've got to fight back against it. Uh-huh. But the rest of the flowers are like really, really happy. <laughs> so I, I, I liked I liked that. I liked the way that that Thanos was a really complicated, sympathetic bad guy that you're kind of like, I think I agree with him. I, I I get what you're saying, but I what I don't like about Thanos, well, there's lots to not like about it. But the fact, I mean, so he's essentially invincible too. He's super powerful. He's stronger than the Hulk all of a sudden. Give me a well, freak. Especially, especially when he's got these infinity stones. It's like the whole power of the universe yeah, in his hand. He didn't have all the stones when he threw the Hulk around like a bitch. He had one or two of them. But I mean, he put he put the Hulk. Who is the Hulk? I mean, what's the Hulk? The Hulk is like a uh, strongest man in the universe, or whatever. No, yeah, he is. I don't think so. He was he was just like he was exposed to radiation, and he got like super big and muscly and green. <laughs> did you see what he did in the first Avengers? He was like the badass of the badasses. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but Thanos comes in like, oh, I've got one or two Infinity Stones. Let me let me treat the Hulk like a bitch. That, that didn't make any sense to me. So it, it it makes sense that the strongest person in the universe wouldn't come from this planet, and and he's also purple. Yeah, yeah, of course. Big universe. Why? Yeah. You think we've got all the best ones right here? We better damn well have all. Better damn. Well. <laughs> yeah. We don't need and any. They're all Mormon. <laughs> we don't need any purple guys that are stronger than the Hulk here. Yeah, Thanos. I thought is he purple or is he blue? I thought he was purple. Okay, I would have gone with blue, but you would have gone with blue. I think so. So what? What was? I'll what's the color of the girl in Guardians of the Galaxy that uh, Star Lord falls for? Gamora. Yeah, what's her color? She's green. Oh, okay. So one out of two is not bad. That's not easy being green. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right, get some food. All right, good to talk to you, Tom. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Do this more. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Talk to you later, man. I go.
Thank you.